You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's good, everybody? Welcome to the SB Nation NFL Show. This is the Off Day Debrief. I'm Rob Stats Guerrero. He's Brandon Lee Gowton. What's up, BLG? Stats positive vibes only. Not going to respond to any things that are said about this show. I mean, I'm already giving too much credit by acknowledging it right here. But hey, uh, you know, we're the best show. Let the record uh, show that as it does. And everything's good. Everything's good. Yes, positive vibes only, at least until we start actually talking about players, and then we'll see where the day goes. Uh, This is the show where we restate the state of the NFL. Today, we've got seven surprising developments of the preseason, now that everything is officially in the books and we're in sort of this weird downtime before the official start of the regular season. So we're going to do that. And Atlanta Falcons quarterback Matt Ryan's going to stop by. Had a chance to catch up with him yesterday. We got a full show today, BLG. Very exciting stats. It's our last week before the first week of the regular season. Our NFL power rankings of all 32 teams, which are obviously 100% correct. The only place you can get fully accurate power rankings will be back next week. But in the meantime, we'll be talking about uh, our biggest takeaways from the preseason, like you said. So, all right, we've got seven things here, and let's go get right into it. And the first one we're going to look at, and I'm stunned at this. When you sent (laughs) this to me, I was like, what happened to BLG? I didn't know if this was like one of those things, you know, they say like, if you're ever taken hostage, what is your tweet to signal to people that you are not okay? Like, I thought this might be it. Because you're now positive on the Eagles? Um, Positive on the Eagles, might be a little bit much in terms of like, <laughs> I don't think they're going to win, win the Super Bowl or anything here, stats. But look, I'm objective and I've been very negative about the Eagles for a long time. But I can only tell you after watching the Eagles in training camp, not so much in the preseason, not just about the preseason. Obviously, they didn't look as great. They went 0-2-1. and They tied stats in the preseason. They tied last year, and they tied in the preseason. What are we doing? Um, Donovan <laughs> McNabb having a conniption over here. Uh, but honestly, stats, the vibes are good. Coming out of camp, like, the Eagles are healthy. They didn't experience any major injuries. Like, this time last year, they had, like, I think seven or eight starters heading into week one who, like, weren't healthy this year. Uh, Rodney McLeod, who got hurt last year, is like kind of the only starter that might not be ready. And even then, he'll probably be ready for like week two or three, if if not week one. Um, so they're looking healthier. The vibes are good. Like there's no weird drama like there was last year when Zach Ertz wanted a new contract. And then he was like fighting apparently at practice or having words at practice. Howie Roseman, you don't have Jason Peters holding the team hostage and telling uh, them to pay him more money to play left tackle. Uh, or else he's just going to stay at right guard. Like, there's no weird negativity 
negativity really surrounding the team this year. It's a new coaching staff and everything. It's a new quarterback. The vibes are good. I, I don't know what it means in terms of, you know, this team like contending or something. But all I can say is that everything seems to be trending in a positive way. Well, I know one thing. I host a show with Michelle Majuk of NFL Network, who is the wife of Kate Majuk, who, of course, hosts is one of the hosts of NFL Reacts on Fridays here on the SB Nation NFL show. And she has been positive about the Eagles from weeks ago. She She's convinced that the Eagles are going to beat the 49ers in week two. Like, she has been all on board. And I will say, since Carson Wentz is no longer there, you talked about the other stuff. Like, everybody seems to be pulling in the same direction in Philly. And I don't know that that's something that's I've been able to say recently. I think vibes are important stats. I think when you look at things and we'll kind of talk about the other side of this when we get to the Colts here and Carson Wentz, but like when everything is kind of just like trending in a good way and there's a, is a good energy. I think there's something to that. Again, I don't, it doesn't necessarily mean everything, but there is something to it. It doesn't mean nothing either. Like there, there is some value in that. Um, the energy that I saw at these Eagles practices in terms of like they practice against the uh, Patriots and the Jets. Spoiler alert: two more teams we'll talk about here coming up. Um, like they just, first of all, they looked like the better team. If you want to assign wins and losses to joint training camp practices, because apparently <laughs> that's the new preseason, the Eagles won all their joint training camp practices. Like they looked like the better team, and not only did they look like the better team, but they were having more fun throughout. And not just because I think they were doing better, but like the energy, like the energy level was just there. And I think that's really encouraging to see. I don't think. Again, the Eagles are going to be an amazing team this year. I have them like at eight and nine, but uh, I do think they're going to be better than last year when they only won four games. And I, I do think they're going to be like more entertaining to watch, which is a big upgrade because, again, they were very much unwatchable last year. I had to throw them in the pit of misery stats, which I can't look or I can't wait to uh, throw more teams and players and coaches into this year as we go along. But, uh, but yeah, for right now, things are going in a good way. Jalen Hurts. I think finished training camp strong. I still don't, you know, he hasn't done anything in camp or the preseason to prove he's like the undisputed franchise answer, but he's trending. And that's, that's the theme of everything. Like the vibes are good. Everything is trending in a positive direction. Now, to be clear, that could change week one. It's like the Mike Tyson, you know, quote we bring up on the show stats. Like you go into week one, everything's good. And then you get punched in the face and then you lose badly to the Falcons or something. And all that goes out the window. But for right now, going into the season, things are looking okay. There's a difference between bad and bad and boring. Like the Chargers were not a great team last year, but they had Justin Herbert. And I agree, like there was a vibe there. You felt like we got this guy. He looks really good. We're not necessarily winning a ton of games, but the team is interesting and you feel good about the direction that they're going. Last year with the Eagles, you had none of that. It was just car. You were just drowning with Carson Wentz. It was just bad, bad, bad. If they if the Eagles can come out this year and win seven, eight games and Hertz looks really good, I think you walk away feeling that the arrow is pointing up on this team. Would you say the vibes last year with the Chargers were electric? Oh, like I saw the smile on your face before you said that. Like you were so proud of yourself <laughs> for thinking of, of the most obvious electricity pun that it could possibly be. I would not say they were electric. Yeah, neither would I. But it was a really good joke by me. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Again, we'll see what it means. But look, you know, coming from someone again who has been negative about the team, I feel like that that has some meaning, too, for the, all the Eagles fans listening. They're like, oh, OK, BLG, he's positive on the Eagles. There, there must be something here to feel good about. Right. And I think 
I think they know you as a tough grader. Like you're not a guy that's going to wave the pom-poms. So if you're being oh, yeah. positive at all, I feel like they can feel good about that. They know that you're not just blowing smoke. Now, the same stats cannot be said for former Eagles quarterback and the Indianapolis Colts as a whole. I mean, Carson Wentz going on the reserve COVID list. Apparently, you know, it was a close contact situation. So he's eligible to come back in five days, assuming, you know, he continues to test uh, negative. Uh, there, there are no setbacks or anything. And obviously, I hope Carson Wentz doesn't get COVID. I'm not wishing for him to get COVID. But my next biggest takeaway stats is that Carson Wentz is a loser. He's a stone-cold loser. <laughs> I've said this since the Eagles uh, I, I were, had him on the team and needed to get rid of him. Like, he, he's a loser, stats. He is not doing everything he can to help the team win. How do you feel if you're Carson Wentz's teammate and you're busting your butt in practice and you're doing everything you, you want to win, you want to win more than anything. And the quarterback of your team is not willing to take every step and is clearly facing like the, the consequences of this uh, decision, personal decision, quote unquote, that he's making and missing time. And he's hurting the team. Carson Wentz has missed so much practice time stats. Like we can talk about, oh, he's going to be ready for week one and he's ahead of schedule. Okay. He's missed so much of this summer. And I think that's really relevant in terms of like, I know it's Frank Reich and he's worked with Frank Reich before, but it's a new team and it's new teammates. Like he hasn't built up the chemistry and he hasn't been fully like versed in the system that Frank Reich is running there, which I am sure is not literally just identical to the one that he ran in Philly before. So that's a lot of missed time. And the Colts start their season with a really tough uh, stretch here, Stats. They talked about this on Monday Football Monday, but I'm going to run through it again. Um, like Pete Sweeney said, like the, the ceiling for the Colts probably is like two and three. I mean, you're looking versus the Seahawks versus the Rams. Then it's a three-game road trip at Titans, at Dolphins, at Ravens. That could be an 0-5 or a 1-4 start. And again, talking about the Carson Wentz draft pick that they owe, the Colts owe to the Eagles, like the Colts are incentivized to kind of like hold back on Wentz at some point if it looks like that pick is going to be bad uh, because they don't want to be giving up a high first to the Eagles. So I think whereas the vibes are good in Philly stats, the vibes are not good in Indy. All these players are getting put on reserve COVID. All these players are hurt. Like it is, they are not off to a good start. Yeah, if you could draw it up, this is definitely not the way you would draw it up if you were a Colts fan. And I think your point about Wentz is a good one. Like, I look at Tom Brady, right? No one would ever question Tom Brady's work ethic. Clearly, he's a guy that's going to do everything possible to be ready to go week one, learn the system, you know, help the team win. I mean, he was showing up to meetings with Byron Leftwich when he wasn't supposed to, violating protocol, you know, he was doing literally everything he could last year with the Bucs, his first year with the team. And he said, he admitted, he was still struggling with their system and the verbiage halfway through the year. That's Tom Brady, right? Like the greatest quarterback of all time. And he's still struggling halfway through a season when you know he's breaking his neck to do everything possible to get up to speed. Now you look at Carson Wentz like you just laid out. I mean, is he really going to be ready to go week one? What kind of... What's he going to do out there? He might not know, you know, half of the playbook. We have no idea. Also, how do you do this stats if you're Carson Wentz? If you're already coming into Indy with all these question marks about like your leadership and everything, being a good teammate and being selfish, like all those questions raised about him in the Philly Voice column that came out a couple of years ago from anonymous sources. And then obviously that continued to go on in terms of teammates criticizing him anonymously. Shout out Alshon Jeffrey. Um, like <laughs> all that stuff was out there. And 
like you like how do you not have the self-awareness to be like look all these questions are around me i need to do everything i can to possibly ingratiate myself to my teammates in this new organization and like he won't do it like that is it's just so crazy that they're in this position um it, it's just such a loser move and it is like i just don't know how you could feel really good about carson wentz or, or good at all or, or good about any of this the way things are trending you know i think we all say nice things about chris ballard and Frank Reich, who just got extensions, by the way. But, like, man, I, I just do not love the way this thing is trending from the start. The vibes are very much off. Maybe the Colts can find a way to weather, like, a tough start and bounce back later in the year. They're, they do have some easier games on their schedule. Like, after this tough stretch, they get to play the Jets. They get to play the Texans. So maybe they can kind of find a way to cobble things together. But, man, like, I just do not see this team as a playoff team. I really don't. And the AFC, that has a lot of competition. I mean, maybe yeah. they make a wild card spot. But like, I think a lot of people thought like the Colts are favorites for this division. No way. No way. Not at all. I mean, they might not finish second. They could conceivably finish third or fourth, maybe if, if things go really off the rails here, which I don't think is impossible, given the vibes, the bad vibes that are here. I mean, I, like, sorry, indie fans, but man, I know I know like Pete and everyone and RJ crushed you on Monday Football Monday already. But like, <laughs> it, it's hard not to look like, is there a team out there stats that has like worse vibes going into the season? Oh, man. I mean, we're in the season of hope right now. Even the teams we think are bet like the Jags, right? A team that you think is going to stink. Trevor Lawrence, last preseason performance, he looked pretty damn good. Like, And I mm -hmm. think they're thinking like, hey, we might have got something here. Even the teams with, with Drek on the roster feel good about themselves right now. And you're right. I don't think that the Colts can realistically say that. And if you're Carson Wentz, like this is the last time in your career where you're going to go somewhere and just be handed a starting job, right? Like this is it for you. And you laid it out there. You are voluntarily choosing not to do everything you can to keep hold of that starting job. And I, I don't know. I mean, maybe he has a, you know, a come to Jesus moment where he realizes like, I, it's on me. I haven't done enough, but you've, you've said it many times on this show that he has never accepted the responsibility for the struggles that he has had in his career. And it certainly doesn't seem like that has changed right now. And as long as that is the case, I don't know that he's ever going to be as good as he could be because I think he could be pretty good. He has the physical skill to be pretty good. Yeah, but that's just like, I think that's the kind of, uh, I don't know how you want to phrase it, but that's like the deceiving part of it all. It's like you you, you want to talk yourself into that, but right. the the and you try to ignore the warning signs, but I mean, they're there and they're really big and it's hard to ignore at this point. And again, I feel bad for Colts fans, um, but this is the situation, because I, I honestly don't even think they're all in on Carson Wentz. At least it, like there was, seemed to be a lot of skepticism when uh, the Colts traded for him and like, I just he's not a very rootable player, honestly, at this point, like how, how like the quarterback on your team stats is usually the guy like you stand for it. Like you, you will go like you will fight to the death for that guy unless, you know, he's really bad and you hate him. But honestly, even at that point, sometimes there are still people who will like for as bad as Carson Wentz last year. Uh, and like even when it was looking inevitable for the Eagles to trade him, people were like still going to bat for him. Not the majority, but like some people still were. Like I don't even know like who is standing for Carson Wentz at this point. It has not been good, and unfortunately, as of right now, I mean, we're recording this Tuesday morning, it doesn't look like anything is going to change. And if that's the case, then I think you're in for a long year in Indianapolis. All right, our number three most surprising development of this offseason, and I think it's something that we saw again on Sunday in the preseason game, the 49ers are going with this dual quarterback system, BLG. <laughs> I mean, I hate it. 
I don't think that's what you should do, but they seem really intent on doing it. Albert Breer just had a write-up about how Kyle Shanahan was, you know, devising a system for RG3 when they were in Washington, but also developing Kirk Cousins, who they drafted the same year, and how they were able to flip the offense when Cousins got in there. And I don't know. But, I mean, this is a ballsy move by Kyle Shanahan. Like, you got to have the stones of a daytime burglar to pull this off. This has never... I feel like been done successfully in the NFL, a legit two quarterback system. And this is Shanahan kind of saying like, Hey, I'm going to outsmart the room. I'm going to betray your trust stats and reveal to everyone that you said to me privately that you like, you're kind of backing off on some of your Niners optimism because of this, right? Like this, this has you, this system kind of has you like questioning your confidence in the 49ers. 100%. It absolutely does. You know, because I've said I thought the 49ers had a potential Super Bowl team, and I still think that they do, but not when you're juggling quarterbacks. Like, no, this is a bad idea. I'm going to say this multiple times during this show because we're going to get to Tua in Miami later on, but when you pick a rookie quarterback, every single thing that you do from the second that guy is picked has to be – developing that player, finding out what you have, trying to put him in as good a position as possible because you want to see if you've got a guy that can play it not because when they're on that rookie contract, that is your time to strike in terms of winning a Super Bowl. If you go back and look at the recent Super Bowl winners over the last 10 years, if it's not Tom Brady, it's a dude basically on his rookie contract. So you've got to figure that out. This doesn't make sense to me because I don't know how Trey Lance is going to get the development he needs if he's only taking you know, partial snaps and he's handing the ball off half the time he is in there on those partial snaps. It doesn't make sense to me. I don't know what the skill is that Jimmy Garoppolo brings that you want to make sure you still have in your lineup. So I, I just think that this is crazy, and I think that Kyle Shanahan needs to be protected against himself. I think – in general, I am not a fan of this theory because I feel like this is something that sounds good on paper. It's one of those classic things in life that it's like on paper, this sounds interesting. But then in practice, it just it never works like it just never works out. Um, I feel like, though, even though that's being my natural instinct, I feel like maybe stats if anyone could make it work. And I guess that's this where this comes in. Maybe it is Kyle Shanahan. And maybe it's not even a whole season thing. Maybe it's something they start out at the beginning of the season and Trey Lance is just like looking so good uh, in his playing time. It's like, what are we doing messing around with this rotation? Like, we're just going to give it over to Lance. Maybe it's something to ease him in. It'd be a little bit weird to do that. Obviously, I, I know very much you just want them to start Trey Lance in the beginning of the season. Um, and... There's an argument to be made that they should do that, assuming he's looking, you know, better than Jimmy G is. Um, but it's definitely weird. It is unexpected, right? Like, I feel like no one is really talking about this until recently. It was like, is it going to be Jimmy or is it going to be uh, Trey Lance? And now the answer is both. Jimmy and Trey Lance. And I I don't know how that helps Trey Lance develop. And I think it, it has the potential, greater potential to go wrong, right? Because I feel like, let's say Lance gets in there and he doesn't run it every time, which I feel like you've got to let him throw a few times just to keep the defense honest when he's in the game. Let's say he starts chucking the ball around and dicing people up, right? Bombing the ball deep, having a ton of success. And Jimmy Garoppolo is the same Jimmy Garoppolo that he was in 2019. Let's give him the benefit of the doubt and say he's that good. I feel like the people in the locker room are going to be like, why the hell isn't Trey Lance starting all the time, right? Like, 
or not to interrupt you, but as I just continue the other side of this, <laughs> like, or let's say Lance gets in there and he's chucking the ball around and he's really struggling. He's throwing interceptions. He's off target. Then guys are going to be like, why are we making this kid throw the ball? We're taking out a regular quarterback to bring in this guy and he can't throw it as good. Like, I just feel like unless it works perfectly, both of the outcomes are going to be really bad and potentially could split the locker room. So I think what you're touching on there is very key stats. And actually, before you even said any of that, it's something I wanted to bring up here. And a big point, like when we're always talking about, why aren't the Bears just starting Justin Fields? Why is Andy Dalton starting? And obviously, look, you know, I don't think Andy Dalton's great, but there is a very real element to like the locker room being behind a certain quarterback. And you can't just ignore that. You can't just like the, it can't be, I know you can't just let the players run the team, but also you can't just totally ignore if everyone thinks, and like, let's say again, I'm using the bears case. And I don't know. This is even true that the bears really love Andy Dalton. Well, let's say it is just for the sake of the hypothetical, like that, if they think he is head and shoulders above Justin Fields and he deserves a start, then you can't just like sit him down. Like that's not an easy decision to make. And I know, you know, coaches and everyone and front offices have to make hard decisions, but like, but it's a factor. It's absolutely a factor. And I feel like we haven't talked about that enough when we talk about either Trey Lance and Jimmy G or the bear situation. Like, I just feel like that hasn't really been discussed here on this platform specifically. And then as a, you know, just a national conversation as well. So, uh, you know, I think that's absolutely relevant into the fact, like it's going to factor in here. And then, and it could be weird. It could be, that's another reason against like a two quarterback system. Is it because it could create a weird split in the locker room where like players are like, what are we doing? Messing around (laughs) playing with either Trey Lance or Jimmy depending on who is looking worse. Like, let's just stick with one guy. That's the better guy. And again, maybe they will. Maybe this is like a, a feeling out period. And especially if it doesn't work on early in the season, but uh, that could also be some wasted time. And you don't want to be just wasting games, especially when you're a contender, at least on paper and theory, like you think the 49ers are because, you know, you, you lose a game and maybe that costs you the first seed. And that's a big deal. Yeah, absolutely. And not to mention, it's tough on your offensive line. They got to have two quarterbacks, two different cadences. It's tough on the wide receivers because we all know Trey Lance throws a hell of a lot harder than Jimmy Garoppolo. And now Lance has the broken finger. So they, it's it's a mess right now in San Francisco. But I just, the only way that you can disregard what you're talking about, the sentiment of the locker room, is if you make the switch and you have to win. Like I look at the 49ers in 2012, that locker room, loved Alex Smith, absolutely loved him. He gets concussed. They bring in Colin Kaepernick. Then all of a sudden, Alex Smith is healthy and Kaepernick was rolling and Harbaugh stuck with him. And he, I don't want to say got lucky, but it worked out for him because Kaepernick basically rolled the rest of the way and his 10th career start was the Super Bowl. That's the only way that you can disregard that sentiment in the locker room that you're talking about. You have to win. And if you don't, then it gets really bad really quickly it sounds simple but it's true winning winning cures all right i mean we always say that very it's very obvious but like and that's another thing that's going to be you know a determining factor here like and also with the players in the locker room i think that that's what players care about most in general if you're winning then yeah and that's why that's why that change was accepted because the 49ers were winning all right let's get to our number what are we at now four thing on the list most surprising development of the offseason And that, to me, is that the Miami Dolphins, clearly, BLG, are out of the Tua Tungavailoa business. They have decided Mm. that he ain't it. And the reason I say that is the fact that they have not said that they are not interested in Deshaun Watson, right? Like, there's nothing in the tampering rules that says you you can't say, 
I'm not interested in this player. Brian Flores could get up to the podium and say, we have no interest in Deshaun Watson. Two is our guy. We're sticking with it. They haven't done that. They've done everything they can to stunt Tua Tungavailoa's development, right? They throw him in the middle of the season last year, which I supported because I said, you got to see what you have. But then they start pulling him out of games and bringing in Ryan Fitzpatrick to try and win. That might be what's best for the team in the short term in that specific game and that specific year. But it's clearly not what's best when you're trying to develop and see what you have in your first round quarterback. Now they're sniffing around Deshaun Watson. He's expensive. He's on a big contract. It's not a rookie deal. He's going to cost you a ton of draft picks, potentially three first round picks and more, depending on, you know, what kind of deal they work out. And oh, by the way, he has 22 sexual assault cases against him and 10 criminal complaints. And you're still sniffing around this guy, whether they get him or not. I think the answer is clear. They are done with Tua. (sighs) It's weird. It's a weird situation. We're seeing the reporting coming out, you know, from Charles Robinson that the Dolphins are the favorites and that weird quote um, from Brian Flores about like, you know, whatever players they have or have talked about, whatever um, the RJ brought up uh, behind closed doors. So it's just, it's a weird vibe going back to the vibes of it all. It's a strange situation. I think there's a lot of skepticism around Tua and rightfully so. And people are like, Oh, he's been better in the preseason. I mean, like 93.0 passer rating. I'm looking at his PFF grade here stats and he is 23rd uh, in passing grade. So like, you know, I, I don't know, like nothing amazing. He's not like blowing people away. It's not like, Oh, this is, you know, this is the guy. Like there's no questions at all. I mean, I said it before, uh, when we were talking about like what should the Dolphins do this offseason, I really wanted them to trade for Russell Wilson. I thought that made the sense. I thought they need like they have a win now kind of roster potentially, uh, and and especially and they have all these draft assets to use. By the way, um, so yeah, I think it makes sense for them to cash in. I am not like I feel like you know there's a, a sunk cost fallacy that kind of goes on. It's like, well, it's too early to move on from Tua. Like, windows close, close sooner than you think, guys. Like, like sometimes you need to strike. Um, like, look at Josh Rosen in Arizona. It's like, oh, you can't possibly give up on him after one year. Like, no. Like, if you think he's bad or you think you can upgrade, especially a quarterback, the most important position, don't settle for less. Get the upgrade. Now, you know, this is talking in a vacuum. Obviously, you know, we all know the caveats with the Deshaun Watson situation. But I agree that, like, they're obviously not completely sold on Tua. That these rumors are out here is significant. It's not just, like, BS. Like, people want to say the media is making up stuff. Charles Robinson, like, specifically, like, challenged the Dolphins to, like, deny what he said is true. <laughs> right. Like, he, he knows something. And, uh, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean Tua can't succeed and prove their skepticism wrong, but it's out there. It exists. Right. If you're at a restaurant, right, and you order something and you take a bite of it and the first bite is bad, you don't need to finish the plate to figure out that this is not a good (laughs) meal, right? Like the Dolphins have had some bites with Tua. They've seen him in practice, obviously. If they're not convinced, then clearly they're not. Like, I agree with you. If you've got a chance to make an upgrade, then you should, especially at that position. I'm just saying, like, I'm. It is their sentiments on him are clear, regardless of what else they do at quarterback. I mean, if they if they wait it out and maybe they try and get Russell Wilson after this season, whatever it is, I think we know now for sure that they are all set with Tua in Miami. I think it's a situation where it's not like they think Tua necessarily like sucks. It's just like they they might not think you know he's all that great. Like number what do they draft him number five overall? Yeah. Great, like you know. Anyway, right. Like you want a superstar at that spot. Mm. And if you, you, I think you can tell the superstars pretty quickly 
Like I think, yeah. and we're going to get into that as we get into our next uh, topic here with quarterbacks, especially like, I think you can tell pretty damn fast when you've got a stud. And uh, so our next development here, we, we disagree on because you had a rookie quarterback that you think looks best this season. And I have one and they're two different. You think it's Mac Jones in new England. I think it's actually Zach Wilson with the jets, but I feel like, like, do you think Mac Jones is going to be a bad player right now? Like you've seen enough and you're like, you know what? That guy looks pretty good right away. First bite of the meal. You know, this is probably going to be pretty good. I think Mac Jones would be a bad player in a situation where like he's not Mac Jones isn't going to elevate talent around him. I don't think that's who he is. I think he's a win with kind of player. Um, and you, you put the right situation around him and the Patriots have a pretty good offensive line and they have some pieces to work with there and a running game and everything. And I think they have enough to kind of, you know, make do. And I think Mac Jones has looked really good stats. Who was it by the way, who ranked the rookie quarterbacks a few weeks ago and had Mac Jones as their number one quarterback. That's right. It was me. Um, I am giving myself credit for my own <laughs> prediction or whatever. Mac Jones stats had the second highest passing grade of the preseason, uh, according to PFF, 97.4 pass rating. But like, I just, I thought he looked like in command and also like so clear to me that he deserves and should be the Patriots starting quarterback. Like, I just, I don't think you need to waste your time with Cam Newton. I mean, if you want to do a quarterback two quarterback system there, I think that makes a little bit more sense. Not in terms of like full time, like the 49ers are necessarily doing, but if you're talking about like some red zone stuff, because Cam is obviously like a weapon in those situations or short yarded situations. Like, you know, I think there's, there's times where Cam can kind of come in and give you a little bit of a different look here and there. I think he has value, but I think, you know, Mac Jones is the guy stats. Like he's their future. He's the Patriots future. What are you waiting for? And I think he's just the better passer right now. I had that feeling when I saw him in training camp against the Eagles, where he wasn't sensational, but I thought he looked better than Cam overall. And I think the the Patriots don't need to wait around with this. They don't need to to play around and take their time. Like Mac Jones is the better option right now. And I think he's looked like the best rookie quarterback this preseason. I don't think it's that he's sensational and he's the next Tom Brady or he's a total superstar, but he's just like a really advanced passer at this point for a young player. I think Mac Jones has been exactly as he was advertised in the draft. A guy that can come in, get the ball where it needs to go, handle the situation, handle the offense, have command of things. I agree with you. I think he's looked very, very good. Uh, I think I agree with everything you said. I think he should be the starter. And he looks like they absolutely have a good quarterback in New England. I think that Zach Wilson, to me, has looked better because of what you talked about. To me, he looks like he has flashed the ability to elevate a team around him that might not necessarily be as good. And by the way, I agree, the team around him is not going to be that good. But when I see some of the throws he makes, especially outside the pocket, on the run, different arm angles, those are wow splash plays to me. And even though, you know, there are some rocky throws too, like he doesn't look as consistent necessarily as Mac Jones. But I just think that because he has flashed that ability to elevate beyond the constraints of the system, to go beyond what happens in the play, maybe your tackle misses a block, receiver runs a wrong route, falls down, whatever, he has flashed that ability to compensate for that. That, to me, is why I put him above Mac Jones, and I think he has looked the best this preseason. 
I don't I'm not down on Zach Wilson at all. Um I am maybe not as high as the rest of the SB Nation NFL show. I know there's been a lot of talk about him here and the Jets like Pete Pete saying yesterday like the Jets are going to make the playoffs. I know he 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 kind of walked that back, but like what are we talking about? The Jets stink. Stats, they're really bad. Um so uh I was looking I I, I watched Zach Wilson in practice uh last week and I didn't really see a whole lot out of him. Now I think, again, and part of that is because I think the Eagles defense is looking good. And also mm-hmm. the Jets offense as a whole isn't. I, you can see the arm talent. I know that's a word that gets thrown around. But, like, you can see the way the ball comes up of Zach Wilson's arm. It's different. It's special. Like, there's there's extra zip. And, like, you're like, oh, that, that's not normal. That's not the average quarterback. So I, I definitely get that. I think from a talent perspective, you know, he has more talent and tools than Mac Jones does. But I think Mac Jones is more advanced right now. And I think we're kind of splitting hairs here a little bit. It's not like I think there's this big gap between Mac Jones and Zach Wilson. I think they're both uh, showing positive signs. But uh, kind of transitioning stats into one of my uh, biggest takeaways, like the Jets are pretty bad to me. Again, <laughs> I watch them in practice. Maybe maybe the Eagles are just really good because, I don't know, like they dominated the Jets in practice last week. Like when the Eagles were doing like full-on 11-on-11 uh, like the defense shut them down, the Jets offense down. They were going like three and out with their starters. When the Eagles offense came in, the defense couldn't stop them. Like, can you name 10 Jets players stats? Like, who? what is the talent on that roster? And also, one of the biggest things that bothered me about the Jets and something like I didn't really, I guess, think about or appreciate till seeing it in person. Like, I was standing behind the Jets sideline when the Eagles were practicing and the Eagles were like kicking their butts. And the Jets players just didn't seem to care. Like there wasn't like an energy. They weren't like mad. It was just like it's like whatever. Like, like who cares? And that kind of just made me think. Like when we talk about losing cultures and stuff, and I I like Robert Sala. Like I'm not down on him, and I think he has the potential to turn this around in time. But right now, there's just like a lot of bad players on this roster, and I don't think there's a lot of leadership. And I don't know, man. Like I think the Jets are still going to be pretty pretty bad. The leadership point is a really good one. Like, who is the the leader for the Jets right now if you had to pick one? If you say Zach Wilson, that's fine. But, like, you just drafted no, this he's kid. Not. You know? Yeah. Like, so who is the veteran guy that they're going to turn to there? Frank Gore is no longer there. Like, <laughs> I mean, say what you want about Gore. His skills at this point are not what they were. But he's clearly a veteran leader, and he would clearly have the respect of people in the locker room. So now who is it? Like Marcus May, I guess, but like, you know, I don't know. Like, it, that doesn't seem to really move the needle. Right. Okay. I mean, great. There's nothing against Marcus May, but that's a factor. And you would think, like, with a new coach, a new regime, that there would be positive vibes, that the players would be kind of up and wouldn't be sort of laissez faire, as you described mm-hmm. in practice. That is a red flag to me. I will say that. That is not a good look because I think part of Robert Sala's appeal. I mean, you, you've, we've all seen the reaction shots at the sideline where he's, you know, freaking out and he's yeah. super pumped. Like, you would think that that energy would rub off on the team, but you're saying it hasn't, at least when you saw that. Right. It's, and so to that point, like Nick Sirianni, we've seen a lot of energy from him, and that very much is rubbing off on the Eagles. They have a ton of energy. And again, like, it's not that I'm down necessarily in the Jets' long term impact. I think Joe Douglas there, like, having him, they, he still needs some time to build this up more. I know they have what, like, two, round, two first round picks next year still, and then two second round picks. So they still have some assets too that they can kind of work with here. But like, I mean, just that they had the trade for Shaq Lawson after they lost Carl Lawson, which I feel like we're not talking about enough. Like, isn't that hilarious? They trade. It's like, let's a just Lawson trade for, for a guy. Lawson. Yeah, for the same last name. Um, 
I, when I saw that trade had happened, I was like, wait, didn't they already have? I was like, oh, no, right, Shaq. <laughs> I, not, I not thought they Carl. already had that guy. <laughs> yeah, like, what, what are they doing? Um, don't rule out – I would not put it past the Jets to trade for a player they already had. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> I'm not necessarily down on their long-term outlook, but just like – I don't think they're making any waves this year. I mean, maybe they'll be better than they were last year, which is extremely low bar. But like, right. I don't, I don't think Zach Wilson is having any kind of like huge sensational rookie season. If anything, it might be like a Chargers season. I think that's like the best case outcome for them last year. And he looks like Justin Herbert, but the team still isn't really that good. They need more time, is what I'm saying. It might be possible that they were just so down and depressed after Adam Gase. Like, you realize how hideously bad that they were last in pretty much every offensive category last year. And it really wasn't that close. Like they were one of the worst offenses I have ever seen. They were non-competitive BLG. Like it wasn't even close halfway through the first quarter in these games. You're like, this is over. Maybe they were just so bummed by that, that it's going to take a while for Robert Sala to kind of pull everybody up by their bootstraps. I think there is something to that. Again, talking about like, I always thought the term like culture is overrated, like a losing culture. Like, what is that? Because a losing culture is a losing culture until it's not anymore. Like you're, right. you're a loser until you're a winner. Like when does that, when do they flip the switch? But I do see it here. Like, I think it's going to take some time is what I keep saying. I think they're going to need to add more talent. These players are going to have to grow into leadership roles. Like you can't just say Zach Lisson is the leader because he's one of the most prolific players on the team. He's a rookie. Like he has to earn that from his teammates and everything. And he has to play well. So I think again, it'll take some time for them. Um, I, I, I think they could be potentially treading or trending in the right direction in the long term. But in the short term, I'm not expecting anything out of them. I'm not like, oh, the Jets could be a surprise team. No, I don't. I don't think they're even close to that. I think they're still really, really bad. Sorry, Jeff fans. Blame BLG. <laughs> That's Brandon Lee Gowden. He's on Twitter at Brandon Gowden. <laughs> I just had to do that. Uh, I want to get gang green after you. All right, let's do this. Let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll talk to Atlanta Falcons quarterback Matt Ryan. I asked him about what it's like as a young quarterback coming into the league. And we'll find out the one chore around the house that Matt Ryan, since he has gotten money, has refused to do. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels. But now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between so you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back to the SB Nation NFL show where we are privileged and pleased to welcome in quarterback of the Atlanta Falcons, five-time Pro Bowler, former MVP, Matt Ryan. Matt, thanks for a few minutes this morning. Of course. Thanks for having me on. So you are here with us today on behalf of Tide uh, because Tide's doing something that's going to help a lot of people and potentially help uh, the environment. Why don't you tell us about that? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to partner with Tide and, and, you know, even more excited that the NFL is partnered with Tide, you know, to switch to cold water washing. I think it's, um, you know, a, a step that everybody can make. It's not that difficult. We can all make that change. It's incredible for the environment, uses less energy, saves us all some money, which is a, a really good thing as well. Um, and so I know it. I've got twin boys at home. Our washing machine machines are are constantly running. And so, you know, for anybody to, you know, be able to help the environment save money at the same time, that's a really good cause. So I'm excited to be a partner with it and, uh, you know, hope everybody will make that change. I like this because there's too many rules with laundry. So I need like less rules. Just put it on cold and wash everything together. I always said, if I ever got enough money and hit it big, I, the first thing I would do is get someone to do my laundry because it's just like, it's just that one household chore that, I just cannot stand doing when you were about to go into the NFL. Did you have something on your list? Like, Hey, when I sign that first deal, my days of doing this are over. <laughs> doing laundry was probably one of them. I'm right See? there with, but Todd makes it easy, which is nice. Uh, for me, it was, uh, you know, I, I don't know if there was one thing I just didn't want to do anymore, but uh, like yard work, man, that was, uh, I, I remember my parents used to make us mulch and, uh, oh that stuff all the time during the spring and we'd have this big mulch pile on our driveway and be me and my older brother out there uh mulching flower beds and putting that stuff in and i was like if i ever make enough money i am not doing that again i <laughs> i will hire somebody to do that and so i've been lucky uh shout out to the michael jackson mj you know landscaping company that takes care of me they do a <laughs> So there's no chance of like going by your house and seeing shirtless matt ryan in the yard like with the shovel working out those days have passed. I am uh, <laughs> lucky that they have. Um, so your name comes up because I cover the 49ers for SB Nation. Your name comes up a lot because they're coached by Kyle Shanahan. And everybody points to look at Matt Ryan and year two in the system. Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan. I look at your career and I always give you credit. You came into the league. The Atlanta Falcons were in the biggest mess I can remember. Michael Vick just gets sentenced to prison. A day later, Bobby Petrino up and leaves in the middle of the night. You come in after getting drafted. You start right away. Your first pass is a touchdown. You win rookie of the year. You go to the playoffs. Are you glad that you got to get in right away and play from day one? Or do you think you would have been better served sitting and learning? Well, I'm glad I played, you know, and, and I can't you know speak for anybody else's situation, but I learned so much, you know, that first year. Um, and was lucky I was surrounded by, you know, a, a really good supporting cast. Running back like Mike Turner, who was unbelievable. Roddy White uh, at wide receiver. Mike Jenkins at wide receiver. I had a lot of good players around me that, that helped. But uh, personally, I developed so much during that year. I was such a better player at the end of the year than I was at the start. Uh, and a lot of that came through, you know, experiences out on the field. Some good, some, some not so good. And, uh, you know, I really think, I benefited from it personally. How were you better at the end of the year than at the beginning? Oh man, I was screwing up play calls left and right. At the beginning <laughs> of the year. You know, uh, just, just out there, you know, not getting us in the right looks and the run plays. Um, it's just so many different things. It, it's just a lot to digest. It's just so different. And, and, and you also, you know, learn how to calm yourself down, how to get yourself ready during the week. What it, you know, what, what, it, what the week, you, you know, what the week looks like for you. I, I think you find those things as you play 
and, and I really feel like by the end of the year, I had a much better rhythm uh, and was giving us a much better chance to win week in and week out. So were you like in the huddle calling a play and having the other people look at you like, what the hell did you just say? Yeah, I mean, the, the first game was like, I couldn't get it out of my mouth fast enough, you know, just all as fast as I can to not screw it up. Mm-hmm. But I remember them by late in the year, you know, having the command of, of, of the offense to where you would break the huddle. If somebody was lined up wrong, having the wherewithal to be able to say, hey, no, 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 get over here. You know, I just wouldn't have had that ability, you know, at the beginning. And, you know, they're just it. You know, people say it slows down for you. And, and, and that's what happened for me. You know, not necessarily seeing the defense or throwing the ball or anything like that. It was just like the whole environment, uh, understanding what it's all about, being in the stadiums, hearing the play calls come through your headset, being out there with guys that are, you know, 15 years older than you. Those kind of things are, are unique when you get into the NFL. And all of that stuff slowed down as a result of me playing. Would that have happened if you had sat and for a little while and then played, or did you just have to go through that in order to learn it? I don't know. You know, I, I, I don't know. Um, you've, you've seen other guys that have sat Aaron Rodgers for a couple of years and, and came in and played with incredible success after that. I think it's different for everybody. Um, and so, you know, it's hard for me to, to know how it would have yeah. shaken out because I only know, you know, my experience, but um I'm sure there's not run right or wrong way to do it. Uh, I think the, the, the situation for me, you know, was one that I had to go play. And, and I think that was helpful. Yeah. And now you're ninth all time in passing yards and 10th all time in touchdowns. So I would say it probably worked out for you a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's been, it's been a good run. So you have one of the rookies that I feel like people are most excited to see on your team in Kyle Pitts. Um, I just think that he's sort of in a tough spot because the expectations for this guy are incredible. I think I saw the over under on yards for him is 800 on the season, which is something only four other tight ends in the history of football have ever done. And only one in the last 30 years. I think that was Jeremy Shockey. What is your advice to Kyle Pitts when everybody just expects him to come in and dominate from day one? Yeah, it's 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 become harder than ever to uh, eliminate the noise. It's just constantly there uh, every everywhere you look. And so, you know, the the thing you tell them all the time is is the opinions that matter and the people you need to listen to are the people in the building, the guys you're at at work with every day, the guys you're in the huddle with. Uh, And my expectation is simple for him, you know, improve every week, be a better player. You know, like I mentioned, talking about myself and my rookie year, be a better player at the end of the year than you were at the beginning. And uh, I think if he, you know, keeps his mindset on that um, and, and just, you know, tries to find little ways to get better as the year goes on, uh, that's a success for him. I'm, I'm rooting for him, but I just think that, like, I can't imagine a tight end coming in having 700 yards or 600 yards and people being like, oh, he kind of disappointed, like, I've heard people say the tight end other than quarterback is the toughest transition to make from college to the pros. I wouldn't disagree with that. I think, you know, you're asked to do so much, you know, you have to learn the run game inside and out. You've got to learn the different combination calls that all of the different things they have to do in the run game, you have to learn Uh, and you have to be willing and physical uh, in what we're asking them to do to, to get our run game going. And at the same time, we're asking you to learn, everything that the wide receivers are learning as well and and to do that. And so, you know, it's, it's a lot. I think 
you know, my advice that I've given him is just try and keep things simple, right? And, and uh, focus on, on growth every day, focus on improvement every day, uh, and just, you know, keep it really, keep your focus really narrow uh, and, and just hammer away at those things. And eventually, you know, all that stuff is going to come together. So we're going to have to wait another week now to see you and Kyle and obviously everybody. You've got a week off now because there are only three preseason games. What are you doing with yourself? <laughs> they got us practicing. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we'll be going hard. But it, it'll be a good, you know, it'll be a good chance for us to get some rest and recover after training camp uh, and get ready to go, get mentally, you know, ready to go for, for 17 weeks or 18 weeks and 17 games. And, yeah. you know, then hopefully some football beyond that as well. One more question I wanted to ask you actually about Kyle Pitts. I forgot to, to slip this in. The second he gets drafted, do you text Tony Gonzalez and be like, hey, can you help our guy out here? 100%. It wasn't the second after. I put him on. <laughs> we had a little group text, uh, you know, after I met with Kyle for the first time, got to throw with him. I said, hey, man, there's a guy I think <laughs> it might be good for you. And so, uh, yeah, th those guys were able to connect. Oh, so they've they've – they've touched base that's that's music to falcons fans ears <laughs> yeah you got to use all your resources so i'm sure kyle's going to come in now play like 15 years you know never miss a game revolutionize the position right it's all set in stone well i've told kyle he's a byproduct of tony you know tony you, you mentioned revolutionize the position we've got players you know with skill sets like kyle and and a bunch of different guys across the league because you know tony forged that path and uh you know i feel really fortunate um, to, to kind of have played with guys like that, you know, be young in my career and play with one of the trailblazers of that position. And then, you know, to have a guy drafted high later in my career and, and, and see what he's capable of. It's been, you know, it's been a really cool spectrum. Well, Matt, we really appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us again on behalf of Tide's Turn to Cold program. You should definitely go to Tide.com and check that out. Good luck this year. And uh, we appreciate the time. You got it. Thank you. Thanks again to Matt Ryan for the time. We really do appreciate it. All right, BLG, this is it. This is our last show before real football. It is in the books. How are you feeling right now? I'm feeling nervous, Stats, because, you know, final cuts are today. I hope we don't get cut from FBS and NFL <laughs> show. I don't know how they would possibly do that when we're the best show. But, um, but, yeah, I mean, it's kind of a weird time, Stats, because, like, I always get excited. I think a lot of fans get excited about cut down day because you're excited to see what the team looks like for this season. But then there's yep. the weird element of a ton of people are losing jobs. And obviously that's unfortunate. The good news is some of them will be back on the practice squad, which, you know, is better than nothing. And some of these guys will get second chances down the line. So, you know, there is some positive or some hope after the cuts. But uh, yeah, it's a weird time of year. But uh, it's also exciting, too, from the standpoint we could see trades and other stuff, and especially with this big gap leading up to week one, this extra, you know, uh, having Labor Day weekend off, unlike usual, where the cuts happen on the Saturday right before Labor Day, and then you kind of just roll right into week one. So this extra time here, I'm really going to be interested to see, like, does that look different this year? Are NFL teams just going to, like, really take off in vacation? It's going to be quiet. It's going to be, like, a little bit of a mini dead zone before the season, or are they just going to go, like, buck wild and start trading people and cutting, you know, everything. So we don't know. We're in uncharted territory here. We'll see. Do your honeydew lists around the house. Do your fantasy drafts this weekend. Get all your stuff done. Clear the schedule because we are less than 10 days away from real football. Enjoy your Tuesday, everybody. For Brandon Lee Gowden, I'm Rob Stats Guerrera. We'll talk to you next week.
more to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.